Now more than ever, I feel anxious. Now more than ever, school is depressing. Now more than ever, I feel discouraged. Now more than ever, I feel stressed. Now more than ever, I have experienced a lot of hard transitions. Now more than ever, I feel safe. Now more than ever, at the City Life Center, I feel encouraged. Now more than ever, I feel happy and am enjoying life. Now more than ever, I feel loved. I feel happy coming here and I feel wanted. Now more than ever, since I've been at YOZ, I feel like family. Neighborhoods, and we're able to reach these young people there. 
And we're seeing on average about 70 to 75 kids a week. Recently, we just took 28 middle school students to a Youth for Christ camp where kids were dedicating their lives to Christ. And next week, we're actually heading out to Maryland with a little over 30 high school students. We've been watching God do some amazing things in Kalamazoo. And it's for His glory. And it's a blessing to be a part of what God is doing. But this morning... You remember when I was here the last time, you, you probably don't, but if you do, we talked about discipleship and evangelism. And I sum these two things up in one phrase. Our heart. we came in one way, Lord, I ask that you strengthen us, that you do a mighty work so that we may walk out there empowered and strengthened and bold. Lord, as we look out into this world, we do see an ever-present darkness, but we thank you that you have called us to be lights in this world, to share the love of Christ through word and deed, that this is how we impact communities, this is how we impact people by preaching the gospel. Father, give us the strength and the boldness, the wisdom and the insight to be able to do this in real ways. Help us not to be complacent. Help us not to be silent. But help us to share the truth in love. Father, we thank you. What a privilege it is to be able to, to share your word, to know you. Lord, help us not to miss it. We thank you and we praise you, and it is in Jesus' name, amen. Before we start reading the passage here, I want to set some context. Jesus was just speaking to the Pharisees. They were mad at him. They were taking issue with him because he was eating with sinners. And so Jesus shares the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and then the prodigal son and Jesus then turns his attentions to his disciples and he shares the parable of the dishonest management or manager. Jesus then begins to explain this parable to them and he's speaking to the fact that you can't serve two masters, that you will love one and despise the other. And as the New Living Translation puts it, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And though his attention is focused on his disciples, the Pharisees heard everything that he was saying throughout the parables and Jesus is calling them out. And then he shares the story of, about Lazarus and the rich man. The clicker's really not, it's not doing anything. <clears throat> Is there a power button? Oh, it says it. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Still not working. This is going really well. It's great to be here. Okay, well, you know what? All I had was the text there, and if you have your Bibles with there, okay, so we'll get it. Let's see if it works. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, then I'm going to actually use the Bible here, and if you can just click the slides, that'll be great. Cool, thank you. So there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm that's been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. He said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. May the Lord add his blessing at the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Here we have two men of very different lifestyles. One rich and one poor, and one man feasted sumptuously, and one man simply longed to be fed by the food that fell off the rich man's table. And Lazarus was clearly not in good condition, as he had sores all over his body, and to add to this miserable condition, the dogs would lick his sores. One of the things that fascinates me in this passage is the proximity that the two men had to one another in life, and as we'll see later, in death. But Jesus is speaking to a matter of the heart and the fruit of it. Because from the sounds of it, the rich man, he had the ability to care for Lazarus. If anything, he had the ability to feed him more than crumbs. But for whatever reason, he chose not to. He clearly viewed Lazarus as lower and less than himself. And we'll see this play out a little bit more. But then we see the story shift. And Jesus starts speaking of their death, right? Both men die. And what Jesus says here is interesting to me. He says that the poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. And then he says, just very matter-of-factly, the rich man died and was buried. I would assume that being that the rich man was a man of stature, that people mourned his death, and there was likely some level of, of, of service that occurred. But I would say the converse would be true of Lazarus, that when he died, there was probably no mourning. They were probably thankful that the poor man had died, that he was no longer a nuisance on society. And now both men died, and one was carried away by angels and found themselves in a place of comfort, well, the other one found themselves in a place of torment. So on the other side of eternity, we now see a complete role reversal. Now Lazarus, in the place of comfort, the rich man in the place of torment. And I want to note here, just because I think it's probably good, that Lazarus wasn't saved because he was poor, and the rich man wasn't damned because he was rich. 
We know through the context of the scripture that Lazarus had a relationship with God and the rich man did not. Their circumstances may have made it easier or harder, but the circumstances did not create their faith or lack thereof. But what I find really interesting about this account is that here you have the rich man who's in torment and he still seeks to elevate himself above Lazarus. He seeks to treat him as if he should serve him. I don't know if you caught this, but the rich man looks up, right? He looks up and he sees Lazarus at Abraham's side. And he says, Abraham, send Lazarus. Right? He's, he's commanding Abraham to send Lazarus with a, with a drop of water to cool his tongue because he's in agony. And Abraham reminds the rich man in this that he's received his good things and Lazarus' bad things and now Lazarus is being comforted while the rich man is in anguish. Jesus is showing again this, this proximity. But even if Lazarus wanted to help the rich man, Abraham makes it clear that he can't. And he says, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. But the rich man continues in his plea, but he's starting to kind of get it. He's realizing, okay, this this feels permanent now. But he's still elevating himself above Lazarus as if Lazarus is his servant. And he says, well, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come into this place of torment. And there was this back and forth between Abraham and the rich man, where Abraham tells the rich man that they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And again, keep in mind that Jesus is the one teaching and he is saying they have God's word and people preaching his word, but the rich man isn't satisfied. And he thinks that if Abraham would send Lazarus back from the dead, that they would believe. Again, Jesus being the one teaching the story, right? He's he's giving a nod to his coming resurrection from the dead. And so when when he has Abraham say, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And you would think like after the resurrection that this would kind of be like the mic drop of the story, right? But I can't help but hear Jesus' heart in this. Jesus wants those who are hearing to hear. He wants people to get it or he wouldn't spend the time sharing the story. He wants those who are listening to understand, to hear, to understand what is being taught by Moses and the prophets so that they can come and know him, that they can enter into the place of comfort. And he's just using a story to point them to the truth. He's sharing this in love to accentuate the point, and it is brilliant. That was the fun part. Now we're going to get into the hard stuff. Because the reality is, is there's so much that we can soak in from this passage. But ladies and gentlemen, if we aren't actively sharing the gospel, if we are not actively sharing the good news of Jesus through word and deed, we are no better 
than the rich man. Think about this for a second. We know the truth. We walk in life. We are rich and heirs of the king of kings. And yet we simply offer the crumbs of our lives to those who don't know Jesus when we shouldn't be inviting them to the table. We dance around the truths of Christ because we don't want to offend. We don't want to be rejected. Whatever the reason is, we just sort of toss out some crumbs so we can feel good about doing our Christian duty. And we think that that's enough. We might post something on social media and say, there it is. I've evangelized to the world. I have tossed out a crumb. And hopefully someone's going to read my post and turn to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to, you know, post something about Jesus on social media. Do that. I do that often. But it shouldn't end there. That is a crumb. The real reality is, is that we ought be preaching the gospel through everything we say, everything we do with those around us who do not know Christ. I, I prayed it. I didn't mean to pray it. It just sort of came out. But this is how we impact communities. This is how we have change happen within the community. We go in and bring Christ to people. We preach the gospel so that they may taste and see that Jesus is in fact who he says he is. Not, not dwelling in our, our own little comfort bubbles because we're so afraid of what people might think or we might offend somebody. The world has been really good at teaching us to self-censor. And it can be really problematic, especially in this area. But that's another message for another day. I'm not saying that you, if you aren't sharing the gospel, that you're not in Christ. But what I am saying is, is that if we understand the gospel, sharing it should be our response. That this is part of laying down our lives and walking in the call that we have been given. And if we believe that there is more to this life, that there is in fact an eternity that awaits us all, and we believe there is a heaven and there is a hell, and we believe that Jesus is the answer, then the only question we have as followers of Jesus is what are we doing with our lives? That's it. If I know those things to be true, I should be examining my life up against them and asking the question, what am I doing with my life? Am I living in such a way that people may come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Now, to be fair, you and I can't save anybody. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who saves. You can't make the choice for people. But we are very, very much called to present the choice. People are dying that don't know Jesus, and we have been given a responsibility to proclaim the good news of Christ. And this is not optional for us. This isn't some suggestion that has been made. This is commanded. We have been called, we have been told to go forth. That all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. Therefore, go. That this isn't something that we can just sit back and write off. 
that we will be held account. What did we do with our time? Did we take Christ seriously enough to share him with those who didn't know him? And I can't help but hear the plea of the rich man when reality starts to set in. He wanted someone to warn his family so that they didn't suffer the same fate. We may think, well, Abraham's response might have sounded cold, right? Because he was just saying, hey, they have people telling them, and they have a choice. They can either choose to accept or reject this. But Abraham is being really matter-of-fact, right? Like, this is the same choice that we have. You either accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And in today's day, as people who claim to be Christians, we are those who are going out sharing God's word. Whether people listen to us or not, that, is, that part's not our responsibility. But our responsibility is certainly sharing it. And we're to do so through word and deed and always in love. In the beginning of everything that happened in 2020, I know I don't even like to say the year anymore, but it was there. But in the beginning of that, God had me in the book of Colossians for a while. I just sat in it. There are a couple of verses that continually stood out to me, and I think they're important verses for us to remember. In Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6, it states this, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. That first part in particular. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that Paul isn't using this make the most of every opportunity, saying like play some cool games and hang out. I mean, that's part of it, could be. But I think he's really implying make the most of, of every opportunity to share Christ with them. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. These these verses remind me of what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Y'all, are we living in a way that is adding to people's lives and pointing them to Jesus so that they may taste and see that God is indeed good? The reality is, is we have limited time. And Paul states that we're to make the most of our time because the very days themselves are evil. And in James, we see that our lives are but a vapor. 
that we're to make the most of our time. That Jesus says we are salt and light. And no one lights a lamp and then covers it up. Like, let's, I mean, we use lampshades nowadays. It was a little different then. But if I lit a lamp here and I just put a box on it, what's the point of lighting the lamp, right? None. Zero. I might as well have just left it off. But now in Christ, the light has been lit. And he says, don't hide it. Don't cover it up. You are the light of the world. Go out and live in such a way that people see glorify you or me, but rather our Father who is in heaven, right? That they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But so often, we're the lamp with the box on it. That we're afraid to let our light shine. Again, because we're afraid we might offend somebody or we're afraid that we might get rejected or ostracized. But if we're truly to make the most of every opportunity and live wisely among non-believers. And we understand that there is an eternal destination and we get this and we understand that we have been freed as followers of Jesus from God's wrath, that we have entered into eternal life, then the way we live matters because there are lives at stake. That this is not something we can take lightly. I use this question a lot when I talk to youth, and hopefully it'll have the same impact here maybe, but you might chuckle, but I want a real answer. If you were about to get hit by a bus and didn't know it, would you want somebody to warn you before it happened? Right? I mean, the answer is yes, right? Like, you're about to be hit by a bus, okay? Bus is coming. I don't know. I'm about to get hit by this bus. And y'all are here, and you don't say anything to me, and you just let me get smacked by that bus? Man, <laughs> y'all aren't very nice, are you? My hope is that you would scream at the top of your lungs, Joe, get out of the way, there's a bus coming. And I'm stubborn, so I'm not moving. My hope is, Jeff, because you're a big guy, you would come running across that thing, and you would tackle me full force. And you would just knock me out of the way of that bus. And I might get up and say, Jeff, why did you do that? That hurt. You'd be like, yeah, but you didn't get hit by that bus. And you're still alive. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Right? I'm in the hospital for the next six months, but I'm alive. But this is it, though, right? Like, there's a bus coming. And we have been called to say, hey, there's a bus coming. If we just sit back, well, the bus is going to hit people, and we don't at least make an effort. I mean, come on. I don't need to fill in the rest of that. Like, think about it. Because that's the reality, that there is a bus coming. And as believers in Jesus, you and I are representatives. We are ambassadors of God as his children. We are called to reflect who God is through how we live our lives, both in what we say and do and make no mistake that our lives will reflect what we truly believe. And so as a result, what we reflect is what others will see. And so a huge question is this. Who do people see when they see you? Do they see Jesus? Is it evident in your life that you belong to him? 
that you are his child. So that everyone you come in contact with notices there's something different. Whether it be the gas station attendant, because I know we all be upset at that now, but that they see that we love Jesus. To our family, our friends. Because again, the reality is there is a bus coming and that we have been tasked to let people know they're about to get hit because no one in this room knows when it is their time or anyone else's time to die. But the truth is, death is coming for us at some point. Are we sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus with a sense of urgency, leaving what they do up to God, but trusting Him with them, being bold enough to share it, Or are we simply sitting back while people who don't know Jesus perish because we're too afraid to speak up? Yes, the gospel can be offensive because the bad news is part of the good news. Yes, it can be challenging to talk to people about the fact that they are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. But odds are, each one of us are here today because someone had the courage to stand up and speak the truth to us. So may we live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you might have the right response for everyone. I came across a quote from Charles Spurgeon that hit me like a ton of bricks. Actually, I've never been hit by a ton of bricks. I don't know what it feels like. But I'm sure it's going to hurt. He says this. Heaven and hell are not places far away. You may be in heaven before the clock ticks again. It is so near. Oh, that we, instead of trifling about such things because they seem so far away, would solemnly realize them since they are so very near. This very day before the sun goes down, some here or now sitting in this place may see the realities of heaven or hell. May we live with a sense of urgency, making the most of our time because the days are evil, seeking to make the most of every opportunity with those who don't know Christ so that they may go from death to life. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news So may we shod our feet with the gospel of peace and share the gospel through word and deed. Y'all, our lives are but a vapor. They are here today and gone tomorrow. And the way we live matters because there are lives very much at stake. I think that was a lot. I have no idea how long I've been up here. But like I said in the beginning, I take this very seriously, and I hope you do too. When I walk alongside these young people and hear the things that they're going going through, it's easy to try to provide worldly solutions. But I know that the answer is Jesus. 
Because that's the answer to everything. That's not just to sound all churchy, but that's the fact. Jesus is the solution. And we can sit here and talk about how bad things might feel in our country. We can talk about how bad things feel in our communities. We can talk about all sorts of stuff. If we are not bringing Christ to the forefront, it is only going to get worse. But I believe that Christ is victorious. That the gates of hell will not prevail. We are on the offensive, and yet so often we find ourselves on the defensive, or we find ourselves just flat out complicit. Silence is not an option. And if you have breath in your lungs, you have been called continually until the Lord calls you home to share the good news of Jesus with those people in your sphere. Now, I'm not saying you've got to show up at the mall and talk to everyone that walks in the door or have a picket sign or any of those kind of things and all that. You can. You don't have to grab the megaphone and start shouting at people. But you have proximity to people in your world. There are people that you're close to that don't know Christ. And I know it's going to sound really cheesy and cliche, but you may be the only Bible that they read, right? You may be the only encounter that they have with Jesus. May we give them Christ. And doing it in a way that we understand that what we're about to share could be offensive. Because they don't want to be told they're doing it wrong. Nobody wants to be told that. But can we do it in such a way that demonstrates what Christ has done in our life, that we share the truth in love, we can say, look, like, I get it. This was really hard for me to swallow at first, but man, now I'm walking in the truth and I understand who Jesus is and I want that for you. Taking Christ serious at his word, trusting him with people, standing firm on the rock that is our salvation, and go out and be a force for Christ. And that feels weird sometimes to say, but I think that's the call that we aren't supposed to just sit back and just let things unfold, that we are an active part of this process, that Christ has brought us into his redemptive work. Like, that's amazing to me. When I sit down and think about that, that Jesus, right, he has saved me, he has freed me, I have been forgiven my sins, but that he has also given me great purpose, that I am to live to his glory that I am to go forth and shine brightly as a light for Christ so that other people may come to know him. That we have been brought into his redemptive plan. If that doesn't get you all excited, I don't really know what will. But the creator of the universe has knocked on your door and said, hey, you're mine and we've got work to do. That you are a representative, that you are an ambassador, that you speak on behalf of, that, that, that you represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Y'all, I love gathering on Sunday mornings. I love being a church. But if this is all you got, let's get more. Get out in your communities. Have people at your house. Let's preach the gospel. Let's get involved. Sorry, right, I'm going to get into rant mode now. I think that's what we have for this morning. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to kick it back over here to Jeff. But may we be a people who it is just so glaringly obvious that we are God's children. 
so that other people may see and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you. For those of us who have put our faith in you, Father, we thank you for saving us. Lord, we know you have also called us to go forth and to preach your gospel. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to get out of the way, to just trust you and to step in these spaces, to share the good news of Jesus, to make the most of every opportunity that we have with those who don't believe. Father, help us. Lord, I praise you that you've given us your word, your spirit, and your people. And that you even said in in your commission to us that you go with us, that you will be there with us. Father, may we walk in boldness. That you did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of boldness. Father, may we walk in the truth so that other people may see and realize Wait, what I've been following is a lie. And turn to you. Thank you for this place where we can even dive into your words, where we can sing your praises. Lord, as we go out, strengthen us. Empower us. So that others may see. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.